Welcome to Make It Happen. My name is Tom Dalton. Each episode will have an inspiring guest tell their story of overcoming obstacles, never settling, and making it happen. Don't forget to share, subscribe, and review. So grab a coffee. Hope you enjoy the pod. Let's go. Okay, so welcome to Making It Happen. My name is Tom Dalton, and I'm delighted to say we are on episode number 53. And uh, I'm delighted to say we're we're live across uh, the water to London uh, this week. And my next guest is Grayson Hart. And if you haven't heard of Grayson, uh, Grayson is a former professional rugby player. He founded a company called Pure Sport on natural medicine of movement. Um, and I'm fascinated to really dive into this. I was just chatting to him just before. Uh, and we're going to talk about CBD is fast becoming an integral part of health and fitness scene with pure sport leading the way. Grayson will discuss living with pain as a professional rugby player, which led him to entre- entrepreneurship and CBD and why community needs to be part of any company's DNA. Well, Grayson, I hope that introduction did you OK and welcome to the podcast. That was too good of an introduction, too <laughs> fine, but I appreciate it, man, and thanks for having me on. Absolutely, thank you. So I'm sure there's a bit of an accent there. Just talk to us a little bit about childhood or where you grew up, Grayson. Yeah, I grew up in New Zealand. Uh, I was born in the far north, a little small town called Kaitaia, uh, which is the furthermost north town, a very small town. Uh, and then when I was quite young, my family moved to Auckland, so my parents were from Auckland then moved up north and back down and yeah grew up in Auckland loved rugby part of our culture uh and yeah that was it uh, it's great I actually two years ago well three years ago just before COVID myself and my now wife we got to do three weeks in New Zealand in camper vans and I think I don't know if it was close to you but we were up in the Cormandel Peninsula was that close to where you were yeah, uh it's a few hours away but that's a beautiful place like if we're not like trying to get out of Auckland and go a lot of people love to go to the beaches and go on like camping trips and some people that are um, a bit more well off have beautiful beach homes in the Coromandel and uh, yeah so me and my mates uh, we'd go get a jump in one of the one of our mates cars and go on little road trips around the beaches and stuff and sleep sleep the night in the car but uh, we we enjoyed it through there. Yeah, brilliant. And as I say, one of one of the most beautiful countries I've ever visited and people are amazing. So, Grayson, if we jump back, I suppose, to childhood and growing up, um, sport or talk to me how you got into rugby or was that your first sport, obviously, growing up in New Zealand? Yeah, I think I didn't have a choice, to be honest. Uh, <laughs> nah. I mean, New Zealand culture, like we absolutely love rugby. Like I can't actually, from living now in another part of the world, like, I don't know if it's the same as football because I don't know enough about football here, but I think like there are quite a few countries around the world that, you know, football is really part of their culture because they aspire and they look up to it. New Zealand, like it's just so much part of our country's DNA, rugby. Uh, we're so proud of the All Blacks. We admire them. Um, but not, in, not only like for their sporting performance, but because of the like the, the culture behind what they're all about and how it kind of um, embodies, you know, um, our our heritage in New Zealand around the the Maori culture and um, and yeah, that that almost um, yeah, it's just a hugely inspiring element of our culture. And I grew up uh, my 
dad loved rugby. He raised me and um, it was something that I, well, how would you say? Yeah, uh, what I guess magnified rugby in my life was that my uncle actually coached the All Blacks. So that was my dad's brother. Um, so from the age of like, I think eight to 12 or so, um, my uncle was the head coach of the All Blacks and he was very close to part of me, my life and my family. So yeah, I was exposed to rugby and, uh, you know, All Blacks part of our culture, but then being that closely aligned, you know, I mean, I remember watching the games and it was like bloody all or nothing watching the All Blacks play because it wasn't just our country and culture, it was my family too, you know. So yeah, it was a big part of my life. Great. I'm, I'm, Grace, and we could probably do a full podcast on probably just your rugby and professional career. But if, if we jump forward a little bit, how, I suppose, did you come across to this part of the world or what did that journey look like? Yeah, um, I mean, probably when I got to about uh, 16, 17, um, rugby started to look like something that I could turn into a profession. I didn't do very well in school and stuff like that. That and um, you know, I was like, oh shit, I'm getting I'm gonna be an adult soon. That came around far too quickly. And then I, it, it kind of made sense that I needed to do something good with my life, you know. Um, and school wasn't looking like an option, uni wasn't looking like an option. I didn't, and without any of that, I didn't know what I'd want to do for work. My work experience that I had gone through uh in my young years was I had a job um down at the ports of Auckland. Um unloading container ships and that was bloody hard work and it wasn't really a, a, a aspirational career path that I wanted to go down so maybe that inspired me further and then yeah rugby was what I put my mind to and to be honest rugby was something that in all honesty I think it really saved my life in a lot of ways because I've got friends and family members that grew up where I did and um, also struggled in school and stuff like that, and they've gone down quite bad paths. Um, fortunately, some have managed to turn their lives around later in life, but some haven't, and have have gone yeah through pretty pretty rough and sad circumstances. Um, some going to jail, some committing suicide, and you know some struggling a lot, suffering a lot um, now. And rugby gave me something to put my energy to. And uh, I was very fortunate that I achieved my dream. I got my first contract when I was 19 for the Blues. And then, yeah, um, managed to make it over to this side of the world when I was 24, I think, got a contract with Edinburgh. My grandma's Scottish. Um, so what happened was they, the SIU and the UK-based um, unions they start speaking to the agents over this uh, in the Southern Hemisphere to say, oh, do any of your young players have uh, ancestry or qualifications? And then, yeah, my grandma was Scottish. So the SIU were actually on, like, on my agent's case for quite a long time um, at, since I got my first pro contract. And then my aspiration was to play for All Blacks and then it wasn't ever really looking like happening um, the further I got into my career. And then I made the choice to come over here and been an amazing opportunity. I've been so grateful for rugby for what it's done for my life and the kind of focus and discipline it gave me and the drive to kind of succeed and do well for my life and the learnings of resilience and 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 people around me that inspired me. And um, yeah, I'm I'm grateful to have been, been able to come to this side of the world through it and learn a lot about 
a different part of the world, you know, because New Zealand is quite isolated and it's hard to travel and see different cultures. And that's one of the amazing things about living here in the UK, the ability to travel around Europe and, and see and experience different things at, at your doorstep. It's been amazing. And Grayson, was that was that challenging at a young age? Like you were in your early 20s and I suppose deciding to go from, as you say, New Zealand to Scotland and other parts of the world. Like was that was that a massive decision or challenging for you? Yeah, honestly, it was really scary, man, because I remember when I first got offered the contract, um, before I got offered to go to Edinburgh, I actually got offered to go to Glasgow Warriors and I'd like Google uh, on like Google Earth, like what pictures and I was like holy shit like this place looks pretty scary like dark and like grey and shit you know Google Earth was not a good example of like how to base that and and I used to like you go on YouTube and watch like the team playing I was like damn like looks cold as hell and like wet and dark like that's a bit different than the rugby over here um but so initially I was like I didn't I was it was quite daunting and scary and such a big change but then it got to the point where so I turned down that first contract and then they came back again and, and it was Edinburgh the next time around offered me and I think I'd gone gotten to a point where I was like nah like this is bigger than just rugby this is an opportunity for me to learn so much more about life and myself and like go away to the other side of the world and I'm going to make sure this is an experience that's not just focused on like the rugby you know and I feel that having that, probably taking my time to not jump into it right away and then getting another opportunity um, in the following season allowed it to be much more of a like informed decision for me, which was in service of me as like a person, not just rugby. Um, and I think going there with that mindset helped me a lot because when the rugby side, because in pro sport, there's always ups and downs, there's injuries, there's selection, you know, all of that. And so it's inevitable that you're going to face uh, difficult, challenging, hard emotional times. Um, but going there with the view of like, this is for my development as a human, just as much as an opportunity in rugby, I think it really, really served me well. Um, so I think taking that time and having those sort of insecurities about going and doing it um, helped me in the long run. And Grayson, how long? What did that period look like? How how did you settle into, I suppose, Edinburgh? And how did that journey look for you in Scotland? Yeah, uh, I was in Edinburgh for two seasons. Um, and then I ended up, I was offered an extension at Edinburgh. Um, and I think I'd done quite well at Edinburgh. And I managed to get selected and play for Scotland, which was an amazing honour for me and my family. Um and, and I was offered an extension there. But um, it was actually, I felt Glasgow was a much more suitable um, team for me. The way they played the game was a lot more free-flowing and being from New Zealand, that's sort of what how we know and play the game. So um, much to the kind of uh, despise of some of my teammates, um, don't know, we're all friends now, but I, I went down the road to the, the rival because I just felt that, I don't know, I just... They were the first club that offered me. So I almost had this sort of feeling of like, I wonder if one day I'd end up there. Um, and yeah, I it was Gregor Townsend who was the coach who had offered me at the time. And so I went back to him. I said, look, you guys play the way I want to play. Uh, I could stay here at Eden, but I really want to come join you guys. And I ended up joining. 
again, that was another amazing opportunity. Um, they were a team that was doing really well playing in the European Cup and um, got to, you know, play alongside some pretty amazing players there, Finn Russell, Stuart Hogg and these guys. So, yeah, I spent four years in Scotland um, and that was where the idea for Peel Sport came about also. Brilliant. And we might we might just jump into that. I'd love to jump back first. Just before we go into, I suppose, the entrepreneurship, was there, when you were growing up, Grace, and you talked about like working on the docks and that hard work, in your family, was there any entrepreneurships or people starting businesses that maybe you, you said, oh, I'd love to do something like that in the future? Yeah, I mean, my uncle was always a huge inspiration. Um, he got into the world of professional rugby in the era where it was amateur. Um, and then he transitioned. Uh, he was the first, one of the first All Blacks coaches in the professional era. Um, and then he'd coach Auckland in the amateur era. And so that was in the days where, you know, you had to have a career. And he had forged a really successful business career. Um, and he, so, it's, but I think that really served him well as a coach because he understood the dynamic of people and how to get the best out of them. And, and, and then that, that kind of served him in that transition into professional rugby because he took his business expertise and knowledge and learning around like people and building teams and then he provided combined that with his rugby coaching expertise so he was always someone who was very driven and very successful uh, in all walks of life and he inspired me a lot um I, I looked up to him but often at growing up uh, I almost was intimidated a bit by my uncle he was also he was also he was very loving and 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 like supportive to us but he was quite a strong character um and i had grown up my dad was very different to my uncle my dad had suffered a lot of um struggles throughout his life um he got caught in the grips of addiction which took a huge huge toll on his life um impacted us as young children like seeing my dad go through those struggles and, um, you know, he, so he had a very, very different life than my uncle. So almost like having both those sides of perspectives for me always, I feel, has served me a lot because, you know, my dad maybe wasn't a success in the like outward perspective of like business or material things because, you know, we were poor and we struggled a lot. Um, but I got to see what the character and what success looked like in my uncle but from my dad I learned a level of like um, compassion resilience um, and also like creativity you know like when you're struggling you've got to be creative with how to make ends meet um, and but but I also think like my dad I, he raised me and my brother and sister on his own I think he was a very entrepreneurial guy um, but he was an example of someone that had an unbelievable entrepreneurial mind, in my view, but he didn't put it into action. Um, and I think he maybe had a lot through maybe not backing himself or whatever. So I think when I got older, I was always like, I'm going to take the like drive and hunger that my uncle had and know that it's possible to achieve great things. And I want to, I think, utilize the compassion and um, sort of resilience and that entrepreneurial flair that I feel my dad had that maybe I got from him, I don't know, um, but make sure I put into action. And so I feel that that, that served me really well, Those both those perspectives. Yeah, it's brilliant. It's great to hear. Thank you for sharing and being so honest on that. Um, so Grayson, if we talk about 
did injury lead yourself to pure sport or just talk to me a little bit about that yeah there's two elements to pure sport and then there's there's these two elements to my life and my career that I feel are the key pillars of pure sport so before I actually got into the world of like natural products um because the world of sport is very like mainstream in terms of how you look after yourself um, and, and whatever your team and your big organization is doing, that's what all you told. And actually as an athlete, like your focus is your, your performance and it's not really like uh, encouraged or like of anyone's mindset to like look outside of what you're told to do because you, you're trusting of the experts and they do have your best interests at heart, but they're big organizations that do things the way they do it. So our, you know, we just did what they told us and it's all quite the same across the board. Um, and it's, you know, mainstream supplementation and, you know, if you've got pain, you take painkillers or you get your physio treatment and combination of both. And if it's so bad, you go and you get your surgery or whatever and you do your recovery time. And But there wasn't much looking outside of that. But, but what allowed me to question the model and look outside of it is is this other element of what really pure sports all about which is initially my mind opened because I actually struggled a lot as a rugby player mentally um, I achieved some cool stuff and I was being able to do and get paid uh, make a living from what I dreamed of doing but I never felt a sense of like genuine like fulfillment or, or happiness or contentment that I thought would come in living my dream you know and that was always very confusing to me so I, I delved into trying to understand like mentally like what it is that we're longing for you know and and then I and then what I learned was that well in my perspective anyway and like the the from yeah what I went through is it's so easy to get caught up in a world where it's like our identity or our happiness comes from things and and like what we do and then that actually also creates this like um cycle of you know uh how do you say like instant gratification rather than like trying to find meaningful long-term sustainable habits and sport plays into that you know because if you're injured you you take painkillers and it's all about just trying to stay on the field and that quick fix but actually if you delve into what got you to be in the position to have that career it wasn't about quick fixes it was about you you practice and trained and looked after yourself from a place of love like because it was an expression and so I wanted to try and understand my way back to that because the world I was in wasn't really pointing me in that direction it was quick fixes outcome driven win and if you don't win, it's not good and you don't feel good and you need the next contract and you need to perform well. And it's a roller coaster. And I wanted to try and find like a, a, a like an underlying contentment whilst I was facing that roller coaster of ups and downs and of professional sport. And delving into that and learning a lot. And I got some mentors and I read so many books and I started to understand like flip the culture that we live in does point us in my view anyway, this Western culture that our purpose or, or like our um, happiness is caught up in outcomes and things. Um, and it leaves us striving for more and more, more 
rather than being like, I'm good enough as I am, from there I'm going to use natural insight, intuition and um, my awareness and and delving into and learning about what's around me to understand what's truly good for me. Because um, I think the world of marketing and sales and social media plays into this insecurity of more, 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 I need more to be okay. And then, so I wanted, I felt that wasn't right. And I wanted to flip back to, you know, feeling of my true self, I guess. And so that was actually looking at why I wasn't happy in the world of sport. And, and, but I wanted to play it because I loved it and it was a huge part of my life. But finding that happiness is actually what led me to delving into natural alternatives because it wasn't until my mind shifted back to be like, no, like you are good enough as you are. You're in this world of sport that does have roller coasters, but your happiness isn't attached to them. You can play the game, ride the roller coaster, but know that you're okay. Through that, it opened my mindset up to stop going after like these quick fixes and just band-aids to issues um, like painkillers and, and, you know, things like that. And, and that's what opened my mind up to explore alternative things and what my club and team were talking to me about. That's where I've learned a lot about um, mushrooms, nootropics, and then I came across CBD and Really, uh, those are the two pillars. It's like Pure Sport is a company that is around trying to point people back to knowing that you're good enough as you are and you're okay as you are and life might tell us that we're not, but that's just noise and in your heart you've got to turn back around and realise you're good enough and from that there's a natural intuition to find ways in which you can look after yourself, optimise your mind and body that actually like a lot of the mainstream culture, sales, marketing, social media is trying to point us away from. Um, so really, yeah, it was, and again, rugby became another blessing for me because through that challenge, I, I wanted to turn back around and find myself again. And through that then, and all the injuries I was facing, all the reliance on painkillers, it opened my mind up to natural alternatives. Yeah, no, it's, it's, it's fascinating. And thanks for going into so much detail. And there was an article here, I think it was a year or two ago, where um, I think Brian O'Driscoll was talking about maybe one he remembers years ago being on the bus and the guy came around with all the painkillers on a tray and it was like, what do you want before a game? So hopefully you talking about it and players talking about it like that, it can change, as you say, the culture or the underbelly of, I suppose, what not to do. So Grayson, if you, if you jump back, like, was it literally finishing off your rugby career and then day one of pure sport? Or just talk to me a little bit about that. I'm fascinated by it. Yeah. No, but so so there was a point where I actually got sent for an MRI scan on my knee and they came back and they were like, man, like, your knee is bad. Like, because I'd had some injuries um, and I had whatever surgeries and I got back and it was to my right knee but there was ongoing pain. So there was something that wasn't quite right within my knee, but I just kept taking painkillers. And I didn't think anything of it, it was just normal. And then it got to the point where it was getting really swollen and like causing me issues. So they sent me for the scan and they're like, man, like this is bad, no cartilage, you've got bone spurs, your knee's unstable, your all this fluid, you should retire. And I was like, holy shit, like that's not what I was expecting. Um, and, but, but I didn't want to retire, I wanted to keep going. And, and then that's what led me down a really bad route with painkillers. I saw a, but then what woke me up again as well as based on the story I told before, but what accelerated that 
was I saw a teammate of mine get addicted to sleeping pills. And rather than the club kind of like help him overcome it as a human being, they he wasn't able to like train and perform and all of that and because of what was going on and they just got rid of him. And I was like, holy shit, like we are really just a commodity here. I need to figure this out for myself. And I, cause I don't want to be addicted to these painkillers, you know, and um, I just delved into learning and understanding. And that's when I found out about, I was already using like the mushrooms and nootropics for my mind and, um, and brain and cognitive function. And then that's when I delved in and I learned about CBD. And actually um, I had to wait until the off season because we were obviously drug tested and there was no CBD that was certified. And, and in the off season, uh, I ordered a whole lot of things from the States and I uh, started utilizing all, all these different products. Um, and it was the first time in a long time that I was able to like train and stuff without painkillers. And I felt like a brand new human because I didn't realize after such a long reliance on painkillers day in, day out that um, my mood and my energy and just overall like feeling wasn't the same because it was just a gradual buildup and reliance. And then when I was without them, I was like, holy shit, like my mind feels clear. I feel more like focus, clarity, energy, all of that. And then that's when I was like, I truly cannot go back to the life of painkillers. And But I just wanted to, I was still so driven to succeed in sport. So I remember going back to um, training on day one and I told the team doctor that this is what I found. And I thought we'd find a way to figure out the risks involved and could I take these products and then the doctor went away and spoke to the powers that be at the club and they were just like no he can't take them and if he takes those products he's in breach of his contract wow. and um so I was like fuck and that that actually is another example of something which was a restriction towards me that led me to being like hold on because that was the moment where I was like I'm gonna start my own one then because I was like, I can't, through all those experiences I described before, I was like, I'm not going to take no finance, but if it's not possible, I'm going to find a way. And that was when my, I guess that was the first time I really found that I had like a business type um, way of thinking about things. And yeah, from that point uh, to when Pure Sport came alive, it was probably a year and a half because it was speaking to World Anti-Doping, speaking to UK Anti-Doping, speaking to the batch testing agencies. I then had to find um, consultants to help me with the product formulation because I obviously wasn't a scientist and an expert in this field. Um, and then finding the right manufacturers who was able to create uh, um, the products with their facility to these specifications because we weren't like these other brands. We were doing it to the absolute, um, you know, finest detail in order to reach these the certification. So... I was still playing rugby throughout that whole time. Uh, we brought the products to life. Um, and it was another two years, actually, uh, of I still played rugby. I was building up the business as I was going. I actually made the decision to join a club that had a much more flexible training regime. So I went into um, London Scottish, which was in the championship, because all the top-tier clubs, you know, train uh, long, long hours. London Scottish was really good because of me trying to build this business. I need more time. And they trained from eight in the morning to 12, three days a week. So that was perfect. Still made money to pay my bills through rugby, but I was able to build the business up. I was through in London then as well, which was a great place to like network and try and grow a business. 
And then um, two years later of hustling and trying to grow the business, it got to the point where I could actually pay myself a proper salary to finish playing rugby. I was obviously not the player that I was because my body and, you know, even though I was utilising these products, my knee was still stuffed, you know, um, still is to this day. But, yeah, I I managed to build it up to a point where I could leave and get stuck into it. That's brilliant. And thank you for, for sharing again. And it's great to hear your hustle and drive. And I, I interview a lot of entrepreneurs sometimes in this podcast. And I, I think modern times in 2022, people open up Instagram or social media and they see, oh, it just happened like that. Whereas they don't see the no's, the hard work, the knocking on doors, the rejection, the level of uh, study and what you have to do to get all this. Grace, I'm a, I'm a novice. I know nothing about CBD. I know nothing about uh, mushrooms medicinal. Do I need to be injured to take this or how does, I suppose, something like Pure Sport help me? No, no, absolutely not. I mean, like, we, we use sport to try to accelerate the knowledge and trust around these products. And as well, the certification that we've got um, allows people to know that these are like legal, they're like high quality because it, you can't achieve this level of certification, um, you know, with without being of the highest quality. Um, but we want to use that platform to educate people that, you know, now is a time that like we can be living so much more optimally and there's so much information and, and access to um, a amazing experts that can help educate us on shifting our mindset from like previously we relied on the mainstream medical system which was which is really actually designed for when you're already sick you know and what we're huge advocates for is finding ways in your lifestyle and your habits and your diet and your training and your supplementation to optimize the body and take care of it, your mind and body now so that you are well for longer and you don't get sick and you um, have less inflammation in your body you sleep better uh, gut health is is good um, pain relief is natural so our brand um, you know and our products are created to optimize the mind and body in those areas you know sleep quality is a huge one for us we have specific products for sleep um, cognitive function um, you know in contact sport a big thing is like um you know degeneration of, of cognitive function because all the head knocks and helping find ways to counteract that lion's mane mushroom for example is huge for that um, um unbelievable scientific studies of how it can repair neural pathways in the brain but for example where that comes into like lifestyle and not just being for athletes is what we don't realize in this day and age the amount of digital screen time that we're putting ourselves uh, our, our senses under pressure with um, that no uh, generation before us ever had to go through. We, we, we sometimes don't consider the knock-on effect down the line to our cognitive function and our senses. So investing in utilizing these types of mushrooms uh, and CBD to help with, um, you know, making sure that we're, we're equipping ourselves to be, to, to take on board the, the pressures and struggles that this world we're faced with nowadays um, is a huge element of our brand and things like sleep quality, you know, trying to inform people that 
different cycles of your sleep at the time where your body releases its um, growth hormone. So if you're training and you want to optimize your recovery and your performance with your training, why sleep is so integral and because there's a lot of people out there that are running themselves into the ground while they're at an age where they can but the knock-on effect when in, into their 40s and stuff when they don't have that energy levels and um, those reserves available there's a huge knock-on effect because you're not your body's not able to um, you know generate its, its natural um, growth hormones um, sleep cycles that develop testosterone and stuff and we're wanting to provide natural products, but educate people on these things. So for example, reishi mushroom is proven to enhance sleep cycles dramatically to help um, the body generate its growth hormones, its testosterone, um, which are essential for all people, you know, not just athletes and um, for us to be functioning well. So again, like gut health is another one. Um, for so long, I think people believed, oh, like looking after your gut health was for if you face obvious issues with your gut like bloating and ibs and, and these things but actually the link between your gut and in your mind and mental health and mood and focus and energy is huge they call your gut your um you know your second brain there's a there's a gut mind access that gut brain access that's a direct link so trying to like educate people and then provide natural solutions to optimize those things is like a huge part of our brand and it's it's also it's exciting and it's it's who we are, but as pure sport, but it's challenging because we're not speaking to an already developed customer base. We're creating a customer base by our education and our products. So we've got our work cut out for us, but um we we're passionate, we love what we do. And our biggest drive comes back to what I said at the start is so many of us are living through the perspective that is all we've ever known because that's what our culture has given to us. But now more than ever, people are waking up to, holy shit, I can be empowered to find a better way to live my life. And there's information and access to that more than ever before. And we just want to be a true and authentic source of, of that information and products that back that up too. Fair play. And, and as I say, you're, you're speaking so openly about it. It's great to hear. And I suppose the one thing in my research from looking into you was the scientific research and i know you've your your certificate across the board which is great to see and i really like one thing you touched on that at the start of the last question you don't have to be sick to get better and i think that's sometimes you know people like they wait till they get the hospital call or they have to go to their gp or whatever and then they're like oh i'm on this medication and as you say having that look at your overall body of what's going on sometimes whether it's sleep whether it's good help so it's great to hear you speak so passionately and i'd say it's very difficult that you're having to try and educate along the way as well and um, grayson if we if we just jump into unconscious of time if we jump into um the business aspect if we, if we like was this you getting the product in boxing it up getting it out sampling it with clients talk to us just about that journey when it really started yeah no it was very much so like a like real out and out startup like um everything went into the product development and the batch testing and then we started with two products um and yeah it was i'd get up before training and go out and put um pack all the um products that were in my house and take them to the local post office and send them out and um 
you know, it was we were very fortunate the timing and the just the concept. Like, you know, I'm not gonna claim that I was this amazing business entrepreneur because I wasn't like I had an issue that arose that and then this naturally unfolded as the solution to me, but then I couldn't do it. So I found a way to make it happen. I didn't like go out and study the industry and the market. It was just like, no, this is what happened and that was my way to resolve it. Um and, and with that, like, I wasn't like a businessman, you know, I was figuring everything out as I went, but I had this product that was such high quality because it could not be to achieve the level of certification. And then what also was an amazing opportunity for us was no one else was certified for sport uh, in, in this field. And by this point, a lot of athletes wanted CBD Um because it wasn't until we grew a bit that I could start bringing in the mushroom products. We only had enough money to develop these first two CBD oils, um, but it was part of the plan all along to grow and bring in more of the seed and mushrooms and nootropics. Um, but what happened was I just started, we started Instagram. We had a very simple website. I was picking and packing and sending them all out. We had like social media that we're posting and making content. And because of the timing, like athletes were keen to use CBD and then we were the solution. So these guys were just buying it. And I remember like, I'd be sitting on the Instagram getting messages from athletes that I admired being like, holy shit, I can't believe so-and-so is messaging, asking about our products. Or like I'd be sitting there seeing the back end of the orders and it was athletes that I admired buying the products. I was like, fuck. And then I guess what was cool was because it was so new and there was an excitement and because and it was something that was a bit like, oh, this used to be illegal, you know, now it's legal and blah, blah, blah. Um, people were posting and sharing about it on social media organically. Uh, so that was our marketing, really. And then one day um, I got sent, you know, four boxes of, like, the, the products were sent out on Korea. One of the boxes wasn't packed properly, and it must have been about 100-odd bottles of CBD oil, and the labels got damaged. So I went back to the guy's... The, the manufacturer who hadn't packed it probably I was like guys like this is a I'm selling these products at a premium level because it's a premium product I can't sell this they're damaged you know so what are we going to do and they ended up like crediting me something or whatever so then I calculated I was like okay well that means I can use x amount of these 100 bottles and, and it was as simple as like okay when guys share on social media like creates interest from other people so I was like I'm going to get some of these guys who love our product that have been buying it and i'm going to send these to them for free and if i'm going to just say look if you um wouldn't mind and if you're happy to do just share a few things on on social media and they're all of course like great they were guys that had bought the products as well and they did and then i started seeing more sales i was like oh <laughs> it's as simple as that. i was like oh well, that's marketing you know you get in front of more people and, you know if it's a good product and good product, yeah. people people get on board and um, and then the other thing I learned was, as a small business, it's really hard getting new customers because you don't have a budget to do all this marketing. So I knew from day one, looking after your customers is huge. It's one thing as we've grown as a business, you know, like I, now that I'm a business owner and trying to run and grow as a business, I cannot believe how poor some customer service is. And, but this is your growth. These are the people that buy your product and believe in your brand and your product. 
and you should look after them. And I think that's a value that we've always held on to very strongly because I was doing all the customer service, of course, because it was just me. So I wanted to ensure that they understood how to use the product, how to get the best out of the product, what the best dosage, what the right product was for their specific needs. And then having that instilled because we were such a small business and we, we needed to look after our customer, I think having that as one of our values has been hugely integral um, to the kind of growth of us because like referrals, um, customer loyalty is huge for us. Um, and, and then again, coming back to like the endorsements, like we only work with people who truly utilize our product as part of their lifestyle. No one that ever promotes our product is someone that doesn't know about how and what and why our products are what they are. Um, so just trying to do things with integrity and authenticity, you might not reach the scale of growth with like immediate speed that some other businesses will, but I think you build a foundation that goes on. And again, it's another blessing from in disguise because we didn't have the budgets to just get stuck into all this types of marketing. I didn't even know how to do it. So um, doing things with true connection and authenticity, I think has been of service to us. And then when you have that foundation, we've been able to build out the other areas of scaling the business. Yeah, no, it's great. And it's one thing I've noticed from online is the, the community aspect. And as you say, people endorsing the product that are actually using the product. And it's great to see. Just before I hit the quick fire questions, Grayson, talk to me about the community runs and the community workouts and the community wellness days and events you're doing. Yeah, man. Um, again, like another, I get, like you can say fluke, but I guess what I'm learning is like the more you do things that are true to you and you do them out of like, um, like authenticity, like people keen to get on board. And I think, what I'm learning about pure sport and um, learning is one of our strengths is uh, there's so much noise out there and so much trying to sell stuff and like very like commercially minded businesses, yet people are yearning for connection with something that they truly align with. And so because we have always done things that are true to us, um, I think it connects with people. And I mean, literally one day, I remember I was struggling because life as a rugby player, exercise, that was all I, that was my life, right? And you're training, you know what you're training for, you got to stay fit, you got to stay strong, and you're driven to do that. And you're, you've got your schedule and, you know, you train with your gym trainer and your teammates and, and all that. And when I finished rugby, I was finding it very um, difficult to stay motivated to exercise because like, it was hard to do it on my own after all those years of, you know, being around people and having those schedules and stuff. And I noticed how down I felt at times um, and how unenergized and stuff. Um, and my mood was affected by not exercising consistently. And I spoke to one of the guys that we brought on board to help me grow the business in terms of like building out our ambassadors. And his name was Will Gooch. And he loved running and it made a huge impact on his life for his like mental health. He's gone to running after his mum passed away. And he goes, oh, like, let's just go running together a couple of times a week. You start to notice it helps you. So he got me into running and we'd go for a run every Wednesday after work. And um, one day we go, bro, why don't we invite some of our ambassadors to run with us? And we're like, yeah. 
So then we did that and there was about eight of us the first time and it was cool. Like it was nice to like run with that sense of like community. And then when we were out doing that run, I remember so vividly him and I running and we're like, oh, you know, why don't we start a run club? And then we're like, yeah, 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 that's a good idea. And then didn't think much else, but we're just like, yep, put out on social media and open invite. I think we got about 25 people right down to the first one. And again, it was like, we realized how nice it was for us to genuinely connect with people when we're out running and how it kept us like motivated. And we just wanted to provide that to the people that came to us. And again, it was like a feeling of gratitude that these people wanted to come and join us, you know? So we wanted to make sure they felt like they were part of it. And that was always part of our ethos with building our community. And one of my biggest things is like, I think, growing up in life like I sometimes felt like you know like I didn't fit in like I didn't do well in school or I felt like maybe I was from the wrong side of the tracks and when I was doing well in rugby maybe I felt like you know I don't know if I belong and things like that so I wanted to everything I did with pure sport was to ensure that people felt like that they belonged no matter who they were and that's been always been like a part of any, now that we have a team, we've got like 13 full-time staff. I always say anyone that comes in touch with pure sport, it's our job to make sure when they go away that they know that they belong. Um, and so I think, yeah, that people come back, they bring their friends, they talk about it, they share on social media. And we've had some unbelievable stories about like, it's been some of the most inspiring parts of the journey for me like finding out later on from people that have come to our run club that you know they were going through like really challenging times like mentally and and, and things like that and having that sense of communities helped them like massively so yeah it, it just keeps us inspired to ensure that we're keeping that because when you grow as a business it's hard to often like keep hold of those original like that purpose at, at times and everything that you do but um it's a testament to like the team that we've got here that um you know they're living those values as well and it's not just like me trying to talk about it it's like the people alongside me they're there they're living it and instilling it in our community so it's been pretty crazy like it went from that 25 people to we get over 200 people every wow. single wednesday um rain or shine they love it and they represent what we're all about. So uh, they, they inspire me to keep going with the business. Yeah, no, it's, it's inspiration to hear there and it's great all about that community and creating that tribe. So it's fascinating. Um, so last couple of questions, Grayson. Um, and thank you so much for your time. It's been a great insight of, of everything you've discussed so far. Um, is there a quote or a piece of advice that sticks with you or maybe it's a bit of a mantra or someone said to you once that maybe you've taken with you along your journey so far? Yeah, I think that, oh, there's probably lots of, there's been unbelievable people for me, but, but like in terms of a quote, um, you know, I, there's one that stands out to me and I think it's so relevant right now because like right now there's so many challenges in the world you know, and we're also exposed to seeing them through social media and stuff. And that creates like anxiety or like 
by seeing all these problems around the world that maybe in past generations people didn't have access to seeing every all the issues but like right now there's a lot of challenges going on and the one quote that always sticks by me is um the the greatest service you can give the world is your own self-realization and and what that meant to me when i understood that was it's 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 too easy to get caught up trying to fix all these things outside of you when actually what we all can do is look within ourselves and try to understand ourselves better and look after ourselves in a way that we can then be of service to others you know you can't truly do what's right for those around you in the world when you're suffering you know and that was true for me you know when I was really suffering you know I hurt people around me and I wasn't good for you know yeah like the world and people around me and when I looked within and started to see what I could do to bring myself to a better place I managed to connect more with people um, and and actually do good you know um, through my and it wasn't like I was trying to it was it happened more naturally so the, the guy that said that is, um, he's, he's a guy who's quite famous for like bringing the, uh, it's, a, it's a spiritual um, understanding called non-duality. Um, and his name was Ramana Maharshi. He wrote a book and I heard, I've seen a few other like, inspiring people share his quote and that was one that stood out to me. Brilliant, brilliant. And thanks for sharing. Um what's next two parts what's next for grayson and what's next for pure sport oh what's next for me is finding my way back to the realization that helped me create this business because like growing a business is really challenging um, and it's all consuming and what i learned in my life and try to bring that balance back through my rugby career where I felt out of balance, um, I'm finding that growing a business it, it is almost leading me out of that sense of um, grounding that I found. And so it's like ensuring that I don't forget the lessons that I learned and, and further deepen them, you know, because it, it also shows me that in life you can learn something, but you're never the finished article. It's an ongoing challenge. Life's going to throw new things at you that you need to keep upgrading your um, knowledge and perspectives and ways of life. So, yeah, just can, keeping balance. And, yeah, I mean, it's so hard in business because it seems like your whole life's wrapped up in it. People have now invested money in people, so we've got these big forecasts that we're trying to hit and there's more pressures and more people involved. And sometimes I feel so stressed and pressurized, but I want to make sure I remember I'm, I'm okay as I am, regardless of the outcome. Because uh, that's what got me in the position to be able to do this and that was seeing that. So that's important to me. And the where for pure sport, um, you know, uh, I think just ensuring that we continue to grow with the integrity and um, we want to, yeah, like we, my vision is to truly have Pure Sport be a pioneer for this industry to educate people and shift their mindset. So to me, that means like getting this brand across the world. Um, but 
what I learned is that it's got to be bit by bit because if you don't, if you try to do too much too soon, you you forget the that way you overlook the things that you're truly good at, you know. And so it's about incremental growth for us and growing with integrity. And for me, I, I've seen a lot of businesses around that they just go all out for growth at all costs and they actually run themselves into the ground. And for me, Pure School is more than a business. It truly is like a I'm trying to inspire a way of life and a mindset. So I wouldn't want like hunger to achieve a certain business level to get in the way of the opportunity that or, or what really pure sport is all about you know i don't want to run it into the ground because i'm trying to chase sales numbers i want to continue the impact that we've got so just growing in a way that we can truly be impactful and um keep the keep that impact going but I don't know if that's a clear-cut answer for you. <laughs> oh, no, no, it's, it's, it's very honest. And last two, uh, one I throw at most of the guests, if you could have a meal with any five people, dead or alive, who would they be? Oh, five is, that's a tough one. Um, yeah, it is a tough, yeah. Uh, class. Uh, do you know, if, uh, it might not be one that people might expect of me, but I, I would actually like to speak with Jesus because <laughs> I feel he was such a enlightened dude and, and almost a lot of his messaging has been misconstrued by like for, for, for ego and power and control but actually I feel like a lot of the essence of what he was talking about was like actually like really true and helpful you know and so I kind of want to talk to him and be like is it you know are these guys misconstruing and yeah yeah started over this and you know, I kind of feel he'd be like, yeah, man, that's not what plan is. Um, and then who else? I mean, and like, this will be quite an interesting polarizing combo, but like Kanye West, because I feel that he is such a polarizing character, but and I think he gets his phrasing and wording wrong, and he 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 obviously struggles to like get across what he means, but and he and he's mean to people at times and says mean things, but I feel like there's a purpose that he's trying to achieve and what he's doing and maybe his messaging and stuff doesn't quite get it across. So maybe like to have a conversation with him would be pretty cool to try and actually understand what he's trying to achieve. Um, and because and also he's an unbelievably like creative mm. guy and to get some views from him. My dad, my dad passed away when I was 21. So like to be able to like just sit and ask him questions now, like as a man um, and after going through so many different things and being like, fuck, wish my dad was here. So to be able to like speak to him. Uh, who else? Um, I, I, I read the Mahatma Gandhi autobiography. That dude was a fascinating dude. And he was like pretty amazing what he did like through his own will and like, drive to like create change so i'd be interested to speak to him and phil knight that guy man his book shoe dog inspired me so much because if if you look at nike and what they've achieved but then you read that book there were so many times where that business was about to fail or they had so much debt and so many challenges to overcome but what he taught me like is the drive and the belief in your vision you can overcome whatever comes your way um i'd love to meet that guy so that, that, uh, those uh, are yeah those are the five that's brilliant and that transitions next into my last question book recommendations anything that stands out that's helped you would it be shoe dog yeah shoe dog for business 
if you want to start your own business and you want to know how hard it's going to be, honestly, like obviously we're not a Nike, but we have faced so many challenges and I can honestly see why you got to have a hunger and resilience and a belief in what you're doing. Cause like you said, it's like you're going to get knocked back, but you're going to get people try and really stuff you over. I've learned business brings out bad people and the worst in people sometimes. So yeah, even in our small business and time we've been, I've, I've honestly come across some horrid, nasty, ill-intentioned people. But then you also face issues that like you are, wouldn't think that you're going to face that, you know, bring the business into detriment and that that's an inspiring book. And then there's also a guy named Rupert Spira. He's inspired me a lot. Um, he, what's his book called? Um, I think it's called You Are the Happiness You Seek. Uh, oh, no, wait, what's it called? The Nature of Happiness. And he speaks a lot about finding out who you really are and then from who you really are, expressing your talents and your drive and your ambition rather than like the other way around. So those are two books that I would look at. Brilliant, brilliant. And listen, uh, where can people stay connected with you on Pure Sport? Yeah, so I mean, we're like on mainly our biggest social channel is Instagram. Um, it's, it's just at Pure Sport. And then um, our clubs one, we have a separate club page for all our community and events at Pure Sport Clubs. Then my personal one is Grace and John Hart. And yeah, and then our website, puresport.co. Yeah, you that's where you can find us. Brilliant. Well, listen, thank you so much for jumping on and I appreciate your time. Thanks again. Thank you so much for having me, man. Cheers.